Welcome to the Filipino American Women Project, a podcast show that shares stories and life lessons told by individuals living or have lived in America that are of Filipino descent and identify as female. I'm your host, Jen Amos, a fellow Filipino American woman, and I'm excited for you to join us. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Jen Amos here with the Filipino American Woman podcast. And I have my co host here, Nani Dominguez. Nani, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Hello. I am very excited because uh, we are actually interviewing someone that Nani and I both know. Uh, She is a life coach for, get this, first and second generation Americans. Nicole Cruz. Nicole, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited to talk to you both. Yeah, we already were doing a lot of bantering before the show began, and um, (laughs) that almost went on too long. (laughs) Love it. Uh, uh, Why don't we start with you? Uh, How did you hear about the show, and why did you choose to be on the show? Sure. So uh, I heard about the show through you, Jen. <laughs> so, oh, um, really? yeah. <laughs> uh, so we met through entrepreneurship, which is where I first got introduced to you. And then we got connected through that network. And then you told me a little bit about the Filipino American Women Project. And I just thought it was so amazing that there's this platform for our community to share our stories. And I was just so excited and honored to to be invited to be a part of it. I think it's very fitting uh, for you to be on here. And, and I even talked about possibly collaborating because, you know, you work specifically with, you know, immigrant descendants who want to, you know, live a, a bigger, braver, unapologetic life. And a lot of us that are have been on the show are, you know, descendants of immigrant parents. Like my parents were both from the Philippines. And I know, I know Nani, your was your was your dad from the Philippines as well? Yes, he was born there. Yeah. And so I think it's a, a very fitting place. And also a lot of us have uh, we were talking about this in a previous episode about the Maria Clara archetype with Angelica is that a lot of us were essentially conditioned to be, you know, submissive and be a follower and be obedient and just kind of be this beautiful statuesque uh, type person. And being American, that's kind of a hard thing to do. (laughs) It's kind of a hard thing to live up to. And so we have, we, a lot of us deal with all these conflicting things. And so uh, I love from what I know about you so far, I love that you are, you know, coaching our demographic of people who need to unpack uh, those type of issues. Does that sound about right? Yeah, totally. And you, yeah, you totally nailed it. And what I love helping our community do is really step into their power. And like you said, our culture has been raised and it's been passed down to us, right? To look really good on paper, get really like secure jobs that may not be fulfilling, but they look nice on paper or to just fit this certain mold. And what that tends to do is we tend to have a lot of fear about really owning our individuality. It's this weird balance between the culture that our parents were raised in, that we're raised in at home, and then being in America, being told like to be yourself and like kind of go against the grain and 
and there's this fear of disappointing the family but then there's also (laughs) this like need to want to follow what we what our vision is for ourselves yeah i mean this is something that i've obviously talked to both of you guys about in in great length for the amount of time that i've known you and i think that everybody should have a nicole in their corner um, (laughs) just because she's really good at articulating those feelings that you may not understand at least for me i didn't know how to kind of articulate what she just said but she was able to articulate that to me and really just open a lot of kind of new perspective for me on that. So uh, Nicole's available for hiring everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, but in all seriousness, it's really comforting to know that for someone such as for people like Nani and myself who are in this self-discovery thing right now and we're trying to we're kind of on the scavenger hunt to find these resources and people who can tell us more about ourselves you know it's great and refreshing to run into someone such as yourself Nicole who's uh, really close in in our age that can articulate what we're going through so I I find it very refreshing yeah that's what I was trying to say thank you Jen (laughs) (laughs) yeah and thank you so much for reaffirming that for me and that's exactly why I decided to serve our community specifically, uh, first and second gen Americans, because well, one, I was looking around at the life coach industry in general. And to be honest, I was like, okay, where are all my coaches of color at? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, there's, there's kind of this imbalance of representation out there just to be real. And I pretty much looked at my own experience, my own transformation and just thought, what is the community that I can serve the best with what I have? And that was our community, first and second gen generation Americans who, yeah, like you said, like there's, there's not as many resources out there for us that are readily like available and easy to find as maybe other communities. And so I'm so glad that I found both of you and that we connected and that, that this work is resonating with a lot of people. Thank you for what you're doing. You, just like what you said, because there's not a lot of representation in the life coaching industry. Not that I would know, I'm not in it. But like from, you know, from all the life coaches that have tried to reach out to me, it was very, uh, it, there was just this disconnect. And and I kind of felt like if I were going to talk to them, I sort of had to give up my Filipino-ness, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. to kind of like uh, fit into whatever their ideology of life coaching was. Like it didn't, it, it almost seemed like my culture, yeah, where I came from, my heritage wouldn't have been held, be account, accounted for in, you know, if right. I ended up like hiring someone. So that's sort, of, that's sort of how I felt about that. That's also how I felt kind of my approach to therapy in the past, because obviously tons of people have recommended that I do that, but I've never really been inclined. And I've even tried it once and felt exactly, Jen, how you just described, like I had to put on a different face with the therapist, who is the person who I'm supposed to be open and honest and vulnerable with and unpacking things. But I've never felt that way until I met Nicole and I just totally felt comfortable and open with you the first time we even talked. So it does make a huge difference when you find someone that you feel like understands you and can, you know, not represent you, but just knows how to communicate with you in that way. Yeah, I love that. And and I feel like it kind of just shortcuts things, you know, it's when my clients tell me or people I talk to tell me like, you know, my family's really important. I don't want to disappoint them. 
I know exactly where that's coming from, right? Because mm-hmm. right. I know culturally, like family is number one priority and you, there's a certain expectation and obligation that comes with that. And so when someone tells me like, oh yeah, I know exactly where you're coming from. I understand. I've experienced it myself. So it kind of just shortcuts that conversation so that, right. so that we can like dig into it. Yeah. Right. There's not a, a lot of need for explanation and, and context. It's like, you already have that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Just to uh, add upon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For everything. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm, I'm like laughing more on these podcast shows than I probably should. <laughs> um, That's okay. Any, uh, anyway, what I wanted to add to what you, both of you were saying is that I feel like when I talk to someone like an American based coach or therapist, they, they almost dismiss the fact when I say stuff about, you know, my family saying like, oh, my, like they, they think that if they can just say, oh, get over it in a sense, they don't Mm. say that, but they don't actually like literally say that. But when they kind of talk in that way, um, they, they think they can get to the heart of the problem once they say that. But the truth is that there's so much to unpack with, um, how obligated I feel to my family that I think the average American uh, doesn't understand. Totally. Yeah, completely. And that's just, you know, because they weren't raised like we were raised or they didn't, they don't have that background. And yeah. So, so some of these things that I, that my clients come to me with are so deeply rooted and it's, it's like family is just not one of those things you can kind of brush over like mm-hmm. oh that'll be fine like do your own thing they'll accept it eventually <laughs> like okay no <laughs> let's actually like, unpack how this is impacting your day-to-day because it's not just like one interaction with your family maybe like once a week it's like it enters into your thought process and your decision making on a daily basis right right it's like you you could leave the house but it doesn't leave your mind you know you're always thinking <laughs> yeah. in the back of your head what what would mom say mom be like that's too expensive mm. or how much does yeah. that cost or like okay. what you bought that <laughs> yeah yes exactly in the back of your head <laughs> yep yeah absolutely well anyway that was a good 20 minutes of fangirling over nicole <laughs> so let's uh let's actually get to know nicole <laughs> <laughs> so, so Nicole, why don't you, uh, for anyone who has yet to know you, I mean, clearly we've explained a lot about you at this point, but for anyone that <laughs> does not know about you, why don't you tell our listeners, what does your life look like today? I know that you're traveling full-time with your husband right now. Last time I, t- a couple times I checked in with you, you were traveling. And when last time I checked, you were still traveling. So tell us about your lifestyle today Yeah, uh, and all that. Sounds exciting to me. <laughs> Yeah, so I am still traveling full time with my husband. So I'm talking to you from Mexico City right now. We are traveling for at least a year. So we're like three wow. months into it. We've just came from Paris before Mexico and then did some, some more of Europe before then. And then next we'll be doing a road trip through the US to the national parks in my mom's van. <laughs> <pretty much. laughs> nice. Yeah. And, and so this lifestyle is, if someone had told me three years ago that I would be doing this, I'd be like, no, no way. That's crazy. Like (laughs) that's, Mm -hmm. that's not possible. And so it was a really 
conscious effort and shift into this lifestyle. Um, so we rented out our house in San Diego, which is where we're based. We're both traveling with just a carry-on. I have like wow. eight outfits now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and just wanting to explore more of the world and also build this business while we're exploring the world together, um, which, is, which is pretty amazing. That's really awesome. And I'm sure that there are a lot of people who would be listening, asking, how do you do that? Like, how did you yeah. make that possible? How can you just, how can you just travel for an entire year? And um, don't you have a job? You know, <laughs> just yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, of course, that's the reaction I get all the time. And the answer is simple, but it doesn't mean it's easy. And the answer is just that we committed to it. Like, mm -hmm. we just decided that this is what we're doing. And then we believed that it was going to happen. And then, so we took it, took action from that belief. It wasn't easy, not by a long shot. I mean, we're, we're always missing our family and friends at home. Like I want to wear other things <laughs> every <laughs> once in a while than uh -huh. what I have in my bag, but we've been really intentional about why we're doing this. And it's, because we just love exploring and traveling and we didn't want to be 70 years old wishing that we had done this. So we just decided that this was going to be a good time and to just go for it. Yeah. yeah. And I, I really love that you're doing it with your husband. Um, I know there's a lot of people who, when they choose to travel, they typically travel alone. My sister, after she graduated college, she just traveled the world for two years, you know, by herself. And she would uh, pick up jobs just to, you know, make enough to get by. But other than that, I, I hear a lot of stories of people traveling alone. And, you know, I think you're one of the rare people I know who travels with their spouse, um, not just for like a week or two, but an entire year. So that's really awesome. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, it's not all like rainbows and sunshine and, and all of that, but I mean, this is the second time we're doing it. The first time we did it for in 2016 to 2017. And it was kind of one of those like, all right, this is going to be either really good for us or like really bad for us you know, <laughs> traveling full time with your partner. And at the end of that trip, the last day of that trip, we got engaged. So Aww. it turned out to be really good. Yeah. Your yeah. Life is like a so, fairy tale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm really, yeah, I'm really lucky to have a partner that supports me and in, in what I'm doing and what I'm building and that I can, you know, we could travel together and enjoy each other's company still every day, even though like we only have each other to talk to, <laughs> we still enjoy each other's company. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a it was a shift. I used to work in corporate America. I was a senior program manager for like this really really multi billion dollar company, really huge company. I got to this point where I was checked all the boxes, you know, like, okay, I got, I got the six figure salary, you know, I got, I got a house. I, you know, all these things that when you're growing up, you're taught to want and you're taught is going to make you happy. And I got to that point and I was like, oh, this doesn't feel like <laughs> what I thought it, it would um, at this point. And just realizing I wasn't fulfilled. And even on the outside, even though it looked like I was achieving all these things, I knew I was playing small. Mm. Like I, I knew I wasn't fulfilling my potential, what I wanted to give to the world. And so quit my, 
quit that job, left that job. And then my husband and I traveled. And that's when I came to the realization that I should follow my calling of being a life coach. And so here I am. And here you are. Yep. (laughs) I think, I think that's so beautiful. You know, I think our, our parents, I think about like my, my mom and dad, I, I lost my dad when I was really young, but you know, part of why he joined the military was so that his kids can go through college and, Mm. you know, we can live the American dream. And, um, you know, all my siblings and I, we're all, we all got our bachelor's somewhere. Uh, My, my brother and I, San Diego state, my sister, uh, UC Santa Barbara. Uh, But we, we all, we all did not take the, you know, the ideal route. I think our mom would have wanted for us. We're all very uh, creative in our own way. Like I pursued, I got a degree in journalism, but I ended up becoming an entrepreneur. And then my sister, she got a degree in, um, in film. And then my brother got a degree in graphic design. And so we're all doing something uh, creative. And I think generally, uh, with the, with the Filipino community, having a creative career career is not necessarily a career. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, totally. And a lot of, I actually talked to a lot of people who want to go into a creative pursuit, but what stops them is fear of disappointing their family. Mm. Yeah. Yes. I think we talked about that, Nicole. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Again, that, you know, that family influence, it's it's real. It's real and it's deep, right? (laughs) The struggle is real, everyone. We all struggle with what our family things about us. I mean, I, I feel very fortunate now. Like my mom is in a place where she just, she's just happy that all of her kids are adults and out of the house and doing something with their lives. And she's, you know, she's just a very happy person, but definitely in our, in my teenage years and early college years, she was, she was very much like, Oh, if you get a college degree, but you can't find a job, you can use that degree to become a Navy officer and join the military, you know, like just something that always led back to some stable job. And now all she says is, Oh, as long as you're happy, I'm so proud of you. And (laughs) And I'm just, I'm just glad that it's gotten to that point and we don't have this uh, toxic relationship that um, I I had perceived that I had with her uh, even just years ago. So Nani, is there anything you wanted to add to that? Yeah. Well, just a little bit about the creativity part. That's something, I don't know if I talked to you actually, Nicole, about that or not, but it is something that I have been, I've been in like operations for the last 10 years of my professional career. And I've always, that's not what I went to school for. I went to, well, I started my rebellious phase when I graduated high school and I wanted to go to beauty school. And I really wanted to do hair. And my dad was like, absolutely not. (laughs) You have to at least apply to one college. And so I did. I just applied where all my friends were going. I got in. I spent a semester there and I dropped right out because I just hated it. (laughs) Yes, girl. Um, So we... I was just like, I can't do it. I'm sorry. I tried. I just can't. (laughs) School has never been my thing. (laughs) But so yeah, I went to, we compromised on FIDM, the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandise. I got my degree in beauty industry, merchandising and marketing, and have never used that or touched that degree since. Wow. Um, And I've always wanted to switch into something more creative, just anything more creative, you know, but it's, it's hard at this point to do that. And also when you've been, when it's kind of ingrained in your head that you have to get a good job that 
pays you a salary that has good benefits and contribute to retirement and, you know, all this stuff that I'm supposed to be securing for myself when really it's like, who's, whose wants were those? Those were not, <laughs> that didn't come from me. I'm not enjoying what I'm doing every day now. I'm, I'm just doing it to pay my bills essentially. And so that none of you will say anything to me, will have anything to say. Right. Right. Yeah. And that is, I feel like that is such a common theme with our community is kind of living someone else's vision or kind of altering how we act and, and how we, how we think and what we say in order to appear a certain way, right? We manage our appearance with different groups, with, with different people that we're with. And there's such power. Something I work with my clients on is really just owning and not feeling embarrassed or guilty or shameful for owning exactly what you want. And following that is not selfish, even though it may conflict with, you know, what someone else wants for you. That is something telling you like you're meant to do this particular thing. And so following that is not selfish, but actually you can serve a lot of people when you follow that pull, that want, that desire that you have in you, even if it conflicts with what's expected, what's safe, and in what someone else might envision for your life. Right. And the only other thing that I wanted to point out was that that's a hundred percent like an internal battle. You know what I mean? Because you can tell me that and I can take that advice and go out and quit my job tomorrow and start my new life, you know, embark on this new adventure. But that that conflict in my head of, oh, well, how am I going to tell my mom that? Or what is my dad going to think of that? You know, is so paralyzing that in reality, I probably won't. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, it's so real. It's so real. Yeah. Um, and just because it's internal doesn't make it any less like real to you, right? That feeling yeah. of, of not wanting to disappoint and of really, and being a good daughter and and look, all those things like steady job, salary, 401k, all those things are amazing. I miss those things, right? <laughs> like in this <laughs> entrepreneur world, it's nice. I, I, I miss that, um, that security. And so if you want that, amazing, right? But if you don't want that, it's not a bad thing either. I wonder if this way of thinking, because this comes from, from the Philippines, essentially, because that's where most of our parents come from do they consider themselves successful with, with those values? Like I'm not in the Philippines, but I, and, and if you are in the Philippines listening to this, please like, you know, call in and slap me or something if I'm offending you. <laughs> but, um, you know, do you think, do you think with those values that they, they work in the Philippines and if, and if so, do they still work? Like do, do families still feel that way and think it's, it's important? Like that's important to succeed. That's a really good question. A lot of where I think that comes from is the survival mindset, right? It, in the Philippines, right, it's the economic reality is very different than our lives here in the U.S., especially, you know, our parents when they were growing up. I feel like the values of, yeah, having, having a house, having shelter, having money, like being able to provide for your family, covering the basics, those are real, really important values to survive, right? Now that we're here in the U.S., when a lot of that, thankfully to our parents and the sacrifices they made, that's, we're like, we're good. That like, that's, 
that's covered. We know how to get that. Now it's shifting from that survival mindset to thriving. Like how can we take that and continue to elevate our family beyond just covering like the bare minimum? How can we actually use it to elevate and like go for your big dreams, go for what feels impossible because we are in the unique position to be able to do that now. And what would that, what would that signal to future generations if we were able to go from thinking like, okay, I just have to kind of survive, get the basics done to, wow, any future I can create is possible for me. Ooh, that's good. I, I think that's so awesome that you said that it, I think I told you both about this. I went on this week long road trip with my mother recently (laughs) and (laughs) you know, it was, it was really like just me and her, like the majority of the time and our, our relatives had told her and then she told it to me. She's like, you know, my sister and some of my relatives are saying that I'm lucky to have you road trip with me because most of their adult children would be working or something of the sort. But, you know, I, uh, I work from home and, and I work remotely and stuff like that. And I said, oh, that's interesting. And then I said, like, now do you understand why I chose this lifestyle? Because it's not just a selfish thing. It's because I do want to be there for my loved ones. And you had shown me, like you and dad have shown me how to build stability if I really wanted it. I have a college degree. I could always fall back on a job. You know, I live in America. There's, there's, I know there's a lot of things working in my favor, but just like what you said, Nicole, we're in this like unique time where we aren't just here to survive, but thrive. And so I was telling that to my mom and, you know, she, it wasn't like she had gave me like a passionate reply, but she's like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that was like her response. But I felt very proud of how I responded to her. I was like, you see why like I I did this. Like like this was a hard thing to do, but it's because right. you you already did that. Like I saw what you and dad did for us and I I see that our relatives are doing that too good for them. But like I'm in we're in such a unique uh, space and time where where we could take these chances and it's not about fulfilling the Maslow's hierarchy of needs anymore. You know, it's about pursuing like yeah, maybe I have to starve for a while, but I'll be like I I would rather be a starving artist than like a fat unhappy person, you know, behind a desk. <laughs> kind of thing. So, not no I'm not not to fat shame anyone. I think all bodies are beautiful, but I'm talking yeah. about my standards for myself. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. All right, Jenny was here jumping into the middle of our show, as I always do, to remind you why this show is possible. So, you know, at the end of every episode, I tend to say, if you didn't catch our guest contact info, don't worry, we'll have those in the show notes. Check them out. I work so hard on them. You're welcome. Well, it's been brought to my attention that our show notes are not as easy to find as I thought, which is why starting summer 2020, the Filipino-American Woman Project is proud to be partnering with Captivate, the world's only growth-oriented podcast host. Captivate is created for independent podcasters, designed from day one to help you to focus on audience growth and the expansion of your audio influence. One way that Captivate makes our lives easier as independent podcasters is by taking the guesswork out of making a website for your show. That's right, a website for your show. So listeners, starting summer 2020, Finding our show notes will be so much easier. All thanks to Captivate. You're welcome, as always. If you're about to start podcasting or are getting burnt out from all the extra work of producing one, like building a website, consider a seven-day free trial, that's right, free, 
with Captivate by visiting thephilamwoman.com. That's the philam, short for filipinoamericanwoman.com. Or, you know, check out our show notes in the meantime, which is in the details section of each episode. Once again, you can visit thephilamwoman.com or visit the details section of this episode. And I think that you made a good point that I think we're the first generation that has the capability to think outside of that survival mindset. And so it's really up to us to kind of do this work right now and produce content like this that will help people in future generations that deal with these same issues. Because just like we've all stated before, it's really slim for us on the resources that we have available to us. The only other thing that I wanted to add was a meme that I saw the other day. And yes, I'm going to be that girl that quotes (laughs) a meme on the podcast. (laughs) But it says, my parents were tasked with the job of survival and I with self-actualization. The immigrant generational gap is real. What a luxury it is to search for purpose, meaning, and fulfillment. Mm. Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't think of it from that perspective, you know. They're so quick to attack their parents and, and want to argue their points and whatever, but you also have to put your feet in their shoes and try to understand where they're coming from and why they're, why they feel this way in the first place. Yeah. I mean, it's, I love that. I think I've seen that too. And I love that, that quote, because by challenging ourselves, right, to think a little differently, it's in a way, it's really honoring what our ancestors did for us, right? It's honoring the sacrifices they made. It's honoring that this foundation that they've built for our dreams. And now for us to build on top of that is a, is a really a way to, to honor and a nod to them. Like, thank you. Thank you for building this for us. Yeah, I agree. I like your wording when you say let's, let's honor our ancestors where I think a lot of us had felt ashamed if we didn't choose to thrive. Like we feel ashamed if we choose to like not live their lifestyle because, you know, really like what you both are saying, the generations before us, they put down these these building blocks for us to be in this unique time. So I, I, I love the way that um, you had articulated that is to honor like what they did. And this this is really what we're doing today is, is a result of their sacrifice and everything that you two already said. So I'm just <laughs> repeating myself. Well, let's let's go ahead and uh, shift gears. I, I think that was just such a, an amazing um, conversation that we can yeah. spend forever uh, talking about. This. So let's let's uh, let's shift gears. And and for anyone that's actually listening and that really resonated with you, and you have something to say, uh, you could actually visit our show notes and see how you can leave a voice message or how you can email us, you know, to add to the conversation. And if we get enough uh, responses, who knows? Maybe we'll have Nicole back on the show so we can hey. pick her brain again and just fangirl. <laughs> again and (laughs) all that that fun stuff uh so you know this 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 podcast show is really dedicated to individuals living or have lived in america that uh, are of filipino descent and identify as female and so nicole if you can explain a little bit a little bit more about like your back background (laughs) and why why you identify as a filipino american woman today Sure. Yeah. So my journey to America. um, (laughs) So my mom traveled from the Philippines to the US when she was in her third trimester of pregnancy so that I would be born a US citizen. Wow. Uh, And she traveled alone on a plane by herself, super pregnant. And so I was born in 
Oakland, California. Um, oh, and yeah, <laughs> Bay <know>. area. <laughs> um, and then I went back to the Philippines from the age of two to four. So I spent like my toddler years in the Philippines while my mom stayed in the U S to try and get a steady job, get her feet under her pretty much. Cause she was 21 when she had me. And so I lived with my Lola and my Lolo in Manila for those years. And Tagalog was actually my first language. And my Lola loves telling the story of when I was a little kid and I loved, I still love Bagoong. She was like, mm-hmm. like Bagoong yes. paste. Right? Mm-hmm. And I would, they would have to hide it from me because I loved it so much. And <laughs> in Tagalog, I don't even know how to say in Tagalog now. Like I would ask like, where is it? I can smell it. I know you're hiding it from me. <laughs> like, where, where's the bagaong? So I moved back to California at the age of four and I had to learn English and I would get teased at school because I was, you know, speaking Tagalog and I had an mm. accent. And so I insisted that my parents only speak to me in English so that I could mm. learn. Unfortunately, that meant I lost my Tagalog. So I learned English. I didn't use Tagalog anymore and I lost that language. And so now, even now, when I go back to the Philippines, I'm, I don't really understand much, right? <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah. And so from the age of four on, I was pretty much California raised and I actually didn't really have a, a strong concept of Filipino culture until I was in high school again because I was surrounded, I wasn't surrounded by Filipinos until I was in high school. And there was the group of Filipino girls that hung out together. And then like the group of white girls that hung out together. And then I started realizing like, oh, okay. I see like, there's a difference here. Yeah. (laughs) That's when it really started to hit me. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, I I find that it's um, interesting that a lot of us so far that I've I've noticed, especially children of immigrant parents, don't really learn about their Filipino culture till later, whether it's their young twenties or later in their twenties for whatever reason. And I'm wondering if it's because parents are just helping you adapt to American culture first, and they've done that so much that by the time you're an adult, like it's there's no conversation of like, oh, hey, now that you're an adult, let me tell you about your Filipino culture. It's like, you have to kind of figure it out on your own from from then on. Right. Yeah, I guess that's what I would say. I mean, I grew up in obviously a very split household. And my dad's side of the family, my Filipino family was very Americanized. My, my grandparents were from the Philippines, obviously. My dad is the oldest brother. He was born there. Then they came here had my uncle went back to the Philippines. So a similar story to Nicole to how you were back and forth at a very young age. But I think since the age of like seven or something, he was here since then raised in California, completely, you know, Americanized. And that was intentional on my grandparents' part. They didn't speak Tagalog to any of us. They didn't want us to learn it. Every time I would ask, the answer was always a hard no. And my grandpa would kind of give me this same lecture every time about how uh, he doesn't want me to have an accent because when you have an accent, people don't respect you. And I think that was Mm -hmm. something that he was super, super insecure about. And you could tell just by, you know, if I ask him a question or you ask him to 
elaborate on something in English, he would get very frustrated and, and cut the answer short. And most of our phone conversations would consist of him asking me questions because, yeah. So anyway. Yeah. What's well, interesting <laughs> how, and I think some of that also comes from, I feel like Filipinos in general are very like adaptable. Like you can just plop us in on my travels all over the world. I find Filipinos living everywhere. Like, honestly, it could be like the smallest town in like some random country and there'll be Filipinos there. I think it's a great thing that we're able to adapt quickly. But then the other side of that is how do we embrace who we really are and stand for what that is instead of adapting always to something else? So, yeah, it's interesting. And I think maybe, I I don't know, I'd have to ask my parents, like maybe some of that came from wanting to assimilate really quickly into American culture. Yeah. Yes. And in my dad's family, like Filipino culture and kind of traditions are very much alive, but it's not something that was talked about at all. It was just kind of like, you're here and we do this and that's just what we do. Um, But outside of that, we turn into, you know, we have masks to the rest of the world and they don't necessarily understand those mannerisms. Yeah, completely. One of the things that tend to throw me off as since we're talking about like adapting and, and how good we are at it, it's when people ask me about my heritage that throws me off. You know, I, I actually like no joke. I had a call today. Uh, this lady, I, she was, she was uh, actually from the Philippines and she's in America. First thing she asked me was like, where was I from? You know, on the, this, this wasn't even like mm. a Filipino project call. This was actually supposed to be a business call. And I think she had assumed mm. that I was like, Fili- like, I mean, I am Filipino, but in my picture, she probably thought that I, you know, could connect in her in, in that way. I was like, uh, and I told this to Nani too, cause I was actually born in Japan as a military child. And she was like, where are you from the, in the Philippines? And I'm like, I- I'm actually from Japan. And she started asking me, yeah, she started asking me about like my background, I'm like, okay, well, and I was like, okay, well, my parents were from here and from here. And it's not even just like people in the community that tend to ask, like, oh, where's your, where's your parents from? Or where are you from? You know, cause they want, they want that kind of maybe regional connection or something, but you know, just the average American, like when they ask me about what I am, it's it, it catches me off guard because I thought I had adapted to the point where, like I, I was so focused on adapting, right? That it, it's it's just, you know, what I got, you know what I'm trying to say? Like it just catches me off guard when people like wanna ask me or try to relate to me um, mm. about like, my Filipino heritage. It's like, oh, I didn't realize my ethnicity was gonna be part of this conversation because I had to right. adapt to your culture. Yeah. Right. Wow. And it's not a simple answer. It's not just like, if you're going to explain it, you've got to take the next 10 minutes to explain it. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and no joke, just like two days ago, we had one of our colleagues like fly in from Arizona and, and he was on the dinner table with us and my family. And, and for anyone that doesn't know, like I'm married to a, the whitest guy, you know, and you know, <laughs> we, we were like just on this table of just all white people, plus this brown girl, this, the guy that came and flew in, like he caught me off guard by saying like you know I visited the Philippines and like he looks right at me <laughs> and I'm like yeah oh cool he's like, like really he's like yeah yeah like he, he and he was like yeah as if like I got a connection with you now you know so you know it's yeah. like, it's like how we, we're expected to adapt and then we're expected to know our heritage I think that's what I'm trying to say 
do you think that that's just a consequence of like the time era that we're living in or do you think that what do you think why do you think that is I feel like and and I kind of mentioned this on another episode but if anyone uh, has followed Aziz Ansari he had his Netflix stand-up come out and he was making this joke to uh, you know the white community Caucasians and whatever and saying like you know I have to say that I like this generation of white people because you all are at least trying now to like not be racist. Like he said something like that. And I think that's why my colleague did that because he's trying to sound culturally aware and conscious and trying to make me feel included in the conversation. But he didn't realize that it wasn't offensive. It just threw me off. You know, it's just like, uh, okay. Like, so because I'm, because I'm Filipino, you're assuming that I've been in the Philippines, like for any other culture, you know, you talk to like Japanese people, Chinese people, you know, Hispanic people. Yeah, they'd be like, oh, yeah, totally. You know, because they they were encouraged to maintain and preserve their culture. But for Filipinos, it's, it's just a totally, totally different conversation. Yeah, it's like he was kind of pointing out your otherness. Like, mm-hmm. oh, oh, yeah, there's this thing that we have in common because, yeah, you're Filipino and It'd be interesting to examine what that triggered for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that might yeah. be another like coaching <laughs> coaching <laughs> conversation. <laughs> but yeah, to kind of explore what thoughts that triggered for you and why why it was triggering. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, um, I do start therapy. Uh, <laughs> I'm talking about my personal <laughs> life right now. <laughs> I start a, a I start therapy next week, so there's there's that, and I, I will keep you updated on that, Nicole. By the way, I haven't yeah. forgotten about our conversation. Um, yes. No, it's funny. I've been pretty I've been pretty open about my um, mild depression and stuff on the show <laughs> lately, and uh, I guess it's part of the experience. Okay, like Filipinos have depression. Yeah. So just, yeah. But anyway, I want to shift gears again, because <laughs> I, I I mean, I just love how we have covered so many, so many topics today. And I know that with the three of us, we can talk forever, uh, all night um, with our virtual drinks and, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, but the reason why, part of the reason why this project was brought back into existence uh, is because I realized that a lot of us uh, are going through this self-discovery path. And especially when when we become mothers, like I'm not a mother, of course, but the people I've interviewed, like they become more, you know, woke to their Filipino cultureness and they wanted to hand that down to their kids uh, and everything. And so this project is is more than just sharing our story, but sharing some life lessons that we have learned along the way. Because I, I think a lot of us are so, we're so resilient and we, we've adapted. And there's a lot of silent challenges, you know, that we go through that we don't always have the opportunity to share with other people because we're just told to adapt. And so, uh, Nicole, uh, when I had asked you what the life lesson you want to share today, uh, you had mentioned that the possibility, uh, that possibility and power are on the other side of fear and that being quote unquote, not good enough is a myth that we have the power to change. I think that's very profound. I would love for you to elaborate on that as well as share a big uh, milestone or story in your life that led you to that life lesson. Yeah, I'd be happy to. So I think that, well, I know the number one theme that comes up in all my sessions, everyone I talk to, my clients, is that a lot of us operate from fear. Uh, We make a lot of decisions 
of being afraid of failure, afraid of disappointing others, um, afraid of looking bad. And what I love doing is to really help empower people to feel the fear, that fear is real, but that there's so much possibility if you act through that fear, not because of it, but move through it. And once you get on the other side of it, you feel so powerful and, and anything is possible for you. The not good enough myth, right? I think a lot of us operate or have been brought up feeling not good enough because we're always compared to someone else, right? We're always compared mm -hmm. to like an auntie's daughter who, you know, did this amazing thing or our worth and our goodness has always been in relation to someone else's goodness, right? That's how mm -hmm. we've been brought up. Good, yeah. But our enoughness and goodness is innate and is not at the mercy of anyone else's opinions, is not at the mercy of what we do or don't do. We are innately good and enough. And we have the power to choose that thought instead of choosing the thought of I am not good enough. Not to say that that's easy. That is a process. <laughs> like that is, that is a huge transformation in and of itself. But once we're able to understand like, oh, I'm just choosing to think that and I can choose to think that I am good and I am enough. Like how would that impact your life? You know, how would that impact what you do, what emotion you operate from? I've gone through that own transformation myself, which is why I am so passionate about sharing that and that skill set to others in our first and second generation American community is because I operated most of my life. I'm 35 now. I want to say operated most like until 32 ish feeling not good enough, mm. just always feeling like I had to do better, achieve more you know, get the master's degree, get the high paying job, like keep pushing and pushing. When I stopped and paused and looked at myself, I was like, I don't, I don't like myself. Like at that point, I, I, I can believe in others so much easier than I could believe in myself at that point. Mm. And it, it was a harsh awakening. It took totally shifting the trajectory of my life, like quitting my job, traveling the world, like only having, like removing all the external securities that I had for me to really invest and find a security in myself. And now I love that I can say, yeah, I love myself. Like <laughs> I, I feel great. Like I, I know I'm enough and it has opened up so much possibility for me. I'm, I'm traveling the world, helping people that I care about dream bigger and live bigger lives. Like that's to me that it just feels amazing and not to like brag or boast, but just to show an example of what's possible. So that's the transformation I love helping my clients get is when, so a client I had, when we started working six weeks ago, not that long ago, she started off saying, I'm always seeking others acceptance. And now she's sharing with me, like, I love and accept myself as I am. Like, oh my gosh, I, mm -hmm. <laughs> like that, yes. that brings tears to my eyes. And when we can do that, honestly, we can really create whatever future we want for ourselves. And drop the mic. <laughs> and <can't. laughs> I just want to 
do what I'm, I'm meant here to do and provide a different perspective for other people that might be interested in doing a life coach type of thing, but not ready to take that plunge for whatever reason. One thing I had asked you in our last breakout session that we did was one thing that I can do to make that shift, you know, because it, you talk about it and it sounds really nice and everything, but how do you actually do it? And one thing that you had suggested to me was the daily affirmation. Before, I've tried affirmations before I talked to you and wasn't really into them because I felt like I was just sitting there repeating things to myself, obviously, that I didn't believe. But you had pointed out that it's really important to for those affirmations to be true, even if it's not a very aggressive one. As long as it's a little bit true and you believe it, you can build on that. And I've been doing that every day since the last time we talked, and it's really helped me a lot. And so I'm just wondering if you have any other advice like that for people that just might not know, that are feeling lost and just don't really know where to start. Something like a step as small as that, that can really help um, yeah. kind of catapult them into that process. Well, thank you for sharing that, Nani. I'm really, I, I'm, I'm, I love that it's been helpful. And and I'm really glad that you brought that up. So yeah, one, of course, affirmations are great. But as you pointed out, if you're in a place right now where you're like, I I don't know how I'm going to get to that place of I'm loving myself, and you're feeling like I, I'm really struggling with that. If you try to convince yourself, I love myself, I love myself, I love myself, like it's not, it's not going to work because you, you're, it's going to feel like you're, you're lying to yourself because you're, yeah, exactly. you're not there yet. Yeah. And so what is that one thought of beyond I'm not good enough that you can wrap your mind around and that feels good. So it might just be like, I'm okay. Right. And that's totally fine. And start there. Another thing that's, that I've been doing, which kind of builds on to affirmations is a belief practice. And what that is, is, uh, so we all have these certain set of beliefs about ourselves, uh, about the world. And some of them don't serve us. So some of them are limiting. In order to shift into a more, uh, into thoughts that support us and our dreams and where we want to go, what I do every morning now is I write, I write a belief that I want to have that maybe I don't quite have yet. So, so that could be something as simple as, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to create like a six-figure coaching business, right? I'm working on it. But I really want to believe and, and operate from a place of that belief. So instead of looking for all the evidence that goes against that, I actively write like all the evidence that supports that. So like I will have a $100,000 coaching business. Evidence for that is, oh, I, I love what I do and I'm good at it. My message resonates with others. You know, I have all the business skills and capabilities to do it. So it's kind of like looking for that evidence to really support that belief you want to have. So if the belief you want to have is like, I feel good about myself or I am capable of doing what I want, look, write down all the evidence that supports that and do that every day. Because in our minds, we tend to look for evidence for stories that don't serve us. And that only holds us back. Does that make sense? That make, does that make sense yeah, to you totally. guys? Okay. No, that's very helpful. Thank you for sharing. Wow. Yeah, I, me too. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, uh, I love it. And um, I feel like for myself, I've, I've come a long way from moving beyond the not feeling good enough. And yeah, it still comes back every now and then. I, I've mainly now been trying to operate in a place of like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do this because the opportunity is in front of me. And I have the resources, like I kind of what you said, like, you know, focus on like what's already serving you, you know, to reach that goal. And I, I like to think in that mindset where even just a couple of years ago, I would always convince myself like why it wouldn't work. And when I was, when I first started my, my first business back in my early twenties, most of that time I had struggled with the imposter syndrome, you know, on the surface, on the surface, like everyone was like, oh, that's so cool that you built your own business and you can, and you can kind of like design your life and blah, 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 blah. But half of the time I was like, I don't know how I'm going to make a paycheck next month. Or like, like, I don't know if my services are really helping people. You know, I just lost a client, you know, just, it was just all of these, these awful, awful like thoughts. And, you know, when, when something bad did happen, it just made those thoughts even worse. And, uh, you know, fortunately today I, I get to work with my husband and, you know, I, I enjoy, a good amount of time with him. I usually, I usually enjoy the time when I'm away from him though. But um, for the most part, <laughs> like, part, of, part of why I do this podcast is because he cannot be on it. <laughs> but anyway, what I'm trying to say is that it's nice to be in a place now where I can think of just focusing on the possibilities and I have someone just like, just like you, Nicole, how you have your a husband who's very supportive um, to just continue to focus on the possibilities and how you're you're set on looking at things that are helping you get towards your goal. And uh, I think that's a beautiful thing. With that said, I feel like we got a lot of free advice from you today, Nicole. Um, <laughs> I want to I wanna, uh, thank you. Thank you so much. And we, I know Nani and I are extremely, extremely grateful to have you on here. And hopefully this won't be uh, the last time. If anyone is interested in learning about you or getting a hold of you, uh, why don't you tell our listeners how they can do that? Sure. So if any of this resonated with you, I would love to connect with you. Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Nicole Cruz Coaching. That's C-R-U-Z. And then my website is NicoleCruzCoaching.com. And I would love to connect. Uh, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Nicole. Any final words before we wrap up this amazing conversation today? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I just want to thank both of you for not only having me on, but for holding the space for our community. I think it's so needed and for being so real and vulnerable and, and just so relatable. And I know that this, this platform, this project that you are building is impacting so many lives. And so thank you for your, your courage to and bravery to do this yes it's our absolute pleasure and i think when just one one more thought uh like why at least i do this uh, project is when you feel so deprived of something for me it's it's this community that i'm having with you ladies you can't help but create it for yourself if you're if no one else is giving it to you you know so this was really this was really out of survival uh, to be honest no but, <laughs> no but it was it was really like <laughs> but you know this was this was really like yeah thank you for saying that and if anyone else has been positively influenced by the show one i hope you share this with a friend uh, and two i hope you share your story uh, and join us as well and three, just thank you. Thank you for taking the time to listen. You can, there's a million podcast shows out there right now. 
And uh, to, to our, at least to my surprise, there's more and more podcasts focused on the Filipino community, uh, which I love. And I'm just grateful that uh, our listeners have made space to listen to us and subscribe to us. So thank you to our listeners. <laughs> thank you and, Listeners, for, for everyone that wants to get a hold of Nicole, if you didn't catch up the first time, don't worry. Her information will be in the show notes. And as well as if you are interested in getting a hold of us, you know how to do that as well. That's in the show notes. We want to thank you all. Nani, thank you for co-hosting with me as always. And Nicole, thank you, thank you, thank you uh, for being on our show. And uh, we look forward to chatting with you all again in the next episode. Yeah. Great. Thank you. And there you have it, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe if you'd like to hear more stories and life lessons told by the Filipino American woman. If you're interested in sharing your story, please contact us at thefilipinoamericanwoman at gmail.com or find us on Instagram at thefilipinoamericanwoman. Until next time. But anyway, on the on the Maria about the Maria Clara type Maria Clara archetype. Oh my God, <laughs> I need coffee. <laughs> I'm literally drinking right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm gonna drink my my leftover cold uh, coffee that is just like I've had all day sitting next to me. Anyway, <clears throat> all right, everyone. Uh, so listeners, like like I like we've said a million times, if you, if you want to get a hold of Nicole, not a million times. Oh my God. All right, listeners. <laughs> 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 Listeners. <laughs> okay.